Hey guys, it is Scott for Dummy Thursday night. Yes, there we go. Yes. Ready to go. Made it just in time. Cheers to that. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. What do we got in the glass? Uh, uh, this. Whatever you gave me. Black Bowl. I have a little uh, Glen Marangia star in mine. Ooh. Yeah. Dr. Scotch is with us tonight. You chose hey, guys. correctly. Dr. You Scotch here. <laughs> I, I've got Andrew's thing in front of me, but that's all right. It's kind of part of the setup. The doc so. is in the house. Got whiskey two oh one tonight. Oh, yeah, we might be talking about something we need his intelligence for. <laughs> well, when I looked at the uh, the agenda for the show tonight, I even said, "I'm like, gosh, I hope Doctor Scotch is coming because this is this is a this is a deep one. It is. This, this is a lot to talk about tonight. It's two hundred level deep. We could get four hundred level deep with Doctor Scotch and get into all kinds. Yeah, of Yeah, that's bonds true. We we, we could well. talk about the uh, yeah the the, the actual um, cycle of. The yeast breaking the glucose down into the individual alcohol components. I was waiting for where water comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the water cycle. <laughs> well, yeah, we can do <laughs> Yeah, whiskey two hundred one. The water cycle. <laughs> it runs through the peat bog, and then uh, exactly. oh my god, it ends up at Lagavulin oh or wherever. Oh. <laughs> but to continue the the educational theme, if yes. you will, right? We've got this, you know, a one hundred one, two hundred one, kind of like a college course um, moniker going on, mm-hmm. right? And um, obviously, the lower, the 100s or the, the entry level, yeah. let's talk about <clears throat> the basics of scotch, right? So what did we do last week? What was it? I don't even remember. Well, it was your your episode. I know. and I <laughs> the, know. the categories of scotch. Oh, right. You put so me the on five categories. You put oh, me in the right. hot seat and I failed. Oh, that's right. Oh, the malt, single malt, Gosh, uh, blended malt, okay. blended it's this. Like yeah. Sometimes, Drew, you got to sit back on those curveballs, man. Just sit back. That's all right. It, I'll, I'll take it like a champ. <laughs> hey, thanks for a super chat, Zach Andrews. Just want to call it out. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Oh, man. Oh, look at Molly on that. Great mouth, Molly. Cool. So that was a 100 level, right? Mm-hmm. It was basic. And, and this week we're, we're taking it a little bit deeper and getting a little bit more complex a, a, yep. of, a, of a topic. And we've got more on the, on the slate to get even deeper. But this was a really good conversation. And it, it's a lot to do with not just scotch, but even, I mean, all whiskeys. It's really all whiskeys. I right. mean, we'll kind of focus on scotch to some extent, but it's the topic's barley. Right. And every whiskey has barley in it. Now, how much you have, that depends on where you are and what you're doing. What but, kind, how much, what you've done to it before you use it type yeah. of stuff. And that's all part of the conversation. It's all tonight. part of the conversation. So, Can you pull up our... Oh, do, do, do you need your uh, I need, agenda? I, I need my agenda because, um, number one, for timing. Oh, it's out here. Number two, I don't have great non-photographic memory. So we're going to start out um, kind of talking through some barley basics, going through some history of, of this how it's you how how peated barley affects things we'll go into some things about you know irish versus scotch and how, kind of how they do barley and then we'll kind of wrap it up and talk through that so and and basically see why um why barley is really important for whiskey but the types of barley we may need a 301 on those types of barley to kind of go into any nuance there so there's a lot Yes, and we do. Uh, we will have questions at the end. If we if we run if you don't run out of time, we'll have, have time for some questions yes. at the end. So if, if you have a question, make sure you put Q colon in front so we know there. Are, we can search for. We can filter through comments now. It makes it easier. easier oh, that's for great. Us. Cool. Yes. So all right. So, so this is going to be interesting, was, but a fairly long one. I was just sitting here wondering how deep we would going to go. I'm like, I wonder if we're going to go back to like the Fertile Crescent, and then it's. First a, thing, a it's the first point. bullet. It's a bullet point, and dun dun dun. So segment one is barley basics. So we're going to talk a little bit about barley in general, 
And uh, the way the way I sum up barley is it's grass with big seeds. That's really what it is. <laughs> yeah, grass. That's what with it always was. It, it, it first came out like, or the 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 best record we have of it is seeing some barley ground or barley stones. I think grinding stones about twenty three thousand years ago. But there's a lot of gap in there. And the so neck, what would they have been doing with it twenty three thousand years ago? Making bread out of it. Making bread or yeah. Making bread out or of it. Or paste or, you know, whatever, tortillas or whatever. Set the old oven at 350 and... <laughs> uh, unleavened bread. Unleavened yeah. bread, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, essentially, probably back then, I mean, or they did, I don't know maybe. if they were baking yet, but it, you could still make a, a porridge or something out of it for sure. Grind it up and make a porridge out of it. Okay, all right. And then the beauty of it is it is really adaptable. So the first ones were in the Fertile Crescent, like, he's, like I said, in, you know, with the... Um, I think of it in like Iraq where you had the Tigris and the Euphrates River. There's a fertile zone between there. That's probably where it initially started. Um, and then it just spread. And the beauty of barley is it's so adaptable. It's a little bit of breeding and cross-pollination. Cross and you can run it all the way from Scotland and Minnesota down through into almost arid regions. It's really adaptable grain. All right. There you go. I'm yeah, it's really interesting. Um now, one of the things that, that we that is a very common discussion about barley is two row or six row barley, and you think, oh well, two row. So so when they plant There's those, they do two rows at a time, and when they plant six row, they plant six rows of barley at a time. It has nothing to do with the way they plant it. And I used to know, I used to think that for a long time. The it's, two row it's barley, the actual seed. Yeah, it's thing. it's it's the actual grain bundle at the top. So um, with barley, all those seed bundles, well, with with all barley, there are six flowers per row. In that, on that flower, so there, so you think of the stem; it flowers six six um, six flowers around, going all the way down that that top of that stem. Well, with two row barley, only two of those six flowers are fertile. Only two of those will actually make grain. I don't know why it's done that. Why it's well, it's an intentional mutation that humans have put into it. Um, whereas six row barley, all six of those flowers are fertile, so all six will produce grain. And so when you actually look at the, the head of the barley, once it's matured, you'll have either two rows or you have six rows of, of seeds. So is this one of those instances where size matters? Or? It does because oh. the, six, the two row makes larger, rounder seeds. It's, oh it's all about the starch content. Hold on it to is. your seats. So, so, <laughs> so six row and two row. So you're saying basically two row gives them more room to grow bigger. It does. And, and it allows the energy of a plant to focus on only two of the so rows. Not, they're not fighting also. for exactly. space like a, like a tree. If you get too close together. It's almost like pruning a, a, a plant. You, that's you exactly. Prune something yep. So that more nutrients go okay. to certain fruit. That's right? exactly right. So, okay. in, and I may be getting ahead of ourselves, but you're saying because they're bigger, it actually is better for whiskey making in general. Well, it's better. It's better for handling. It's better for whiskey. Um, it's maybe not as good for, um, for, animal grain and animal feed because roughly 70% of the barley grown in the world goes to animal feed because it's got a high protein yeah. content. It grows everywhere. So every country can grow barley. So you can, so it's a great for animal grain. Whereas like corn, you can't grow in Northern climates and wheat has certain li limits and rice is definitely limited, but barley grows everywhere. So they use it for feed everywhere. There so, you go. So that's one thing that's, that's unique about that. The, um, that six row, um, the uh, the beauty of six row is it's it's got smaller hulls, so there's less 
um, indigestible fiber and stuff in it. Um, whereas the uh, the two row, it's a bigger grain. It's got a thicker hull, which is important for whiskey making, actually, quite honestly. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Huh. Okay. 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 Yep. Um, so interesting. Do they, do they still grow this two versus six as far as speed of growing change at all? Does like does six grow faster than a two row? Well, yes, there is. I don't remember the the unique because there typically with barley, there's like a spring barley and a fall barley, and the spring barley is most common because it's a, it's a fairly it allows for a very sh- a fairly short um, grow growing window, like in. Scotland, UK, Minnesota, you know, Canada, they will essentially do one crop a year. They can, they can only have enough growth window, but in, in some, in more areas with a longer growing season, you can actually get a spring and a fall crop out of barley because it takes about 90 days, give or take for some of them. So the spring barley is not about moving it forward in an hour or no, and then fall barley is back an hour. Yeah. So there's, there's some difference in growth. There there are some really fast growing ones and there are some other ones that are bigger. Can we get rid of that stupid thing? I can't help it, man. Yeah. Sorry, you got ADHD distraction over there going on. So, um, so what's the next topic? Let's scroll down a little bit. Let's go on to the next or get in the next thing. So, um, so part of the reason barley is so important is because um, part for whiskey is essentially what it does is it, it allows the uh, conversion of starches to sugars in really all whiskey produced and in all beer making and all those kind of things. Um, you can use other grains in beer. You can use other grains in whiskey, but they don't malt as well. And so if they don't malt as well, they don't produce the well, enzyme that converts the starch what's, to sugar. What's, well, what's malting? Yeah, man. Well, is that, do I talk about it later? I don't think we talked about it. I don't want to get skip ahead, but I mean, yeah, let you, me have the thing. Let me, let me look at my notes because I, yeah, there's a, there, we are bouncing around, which is great. I think we need to do that. Um, all right, <clears> so <throat> we're not going to talk about that. Um, so, malting. So, essentially, what malting is, is, um, we're going to talk about that. Malted versus not Yeah, malted. we'll talk about that in a later segment about what malting is. But, um, what we want to talk about here is, um, I've already got it all figured out. You've already got it? Yeah, man. Oh, man, he's already got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so th- that, that malt whiskey is important for the enzyme for converting <laughs> converting starches to uh, to sugars. And then um, you can use other um, other grains to produce additional starches, but the enzyme's from the malted barley. So typically you'll have 20 to, well, 30, 30 plus percent of your grain will be malted barley to provide enough enzymes to convert all the starches. And essentially, it's basically taking the barley, soaking the shit out of it in water for a while, letting it germinate just a little bit. Yeah. yeah you, tiny, right. tiny bit. Exactly. Yeah. You, you essentially, uh, you soak the grain and then you, then you essentially, you, you let dr- the water drain out. And then you, you dry and then, it. And then, well, you, you got to do that a few times to get, essentially, you oh. want to soften the hull and let water get into the seed so it can then germinate. And then once it's just started to germinate, you dry it out. Gotcha. And you can use heat or you can use peat. There's and we'll talk about that later there too. There's lots of other things, but that's, but you said malting. So I want to make sure we're yeah. clear on that. So, but your, your point was when you go back, you're saying it's important to, to whiskey making because it was one of the most efficient ways to kind of get to that point. Exactly. It, it, sugar. it, 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 it gets you to sugar faster and, in, and maybe arguably, arguably more important, it increases your yield. So uh, if you don't, if you use just grain without malting it, yeast will, the yeast will be able to convert some of their, there are some sugars into any grain. Right. And that's kind just, of a more popular thing in Irish whiskey, isn't it? They use. Yes, they, they do use, use unmalted barley. Yeah. Unmalted, unmalted well, yeah. barley, yeah. 
True. Triple distilled too, but yes. Yeah, the, the unmalted barley is a, is a source of the starches, but the malted barley gives you the enzymes to do it. But either way, even if you don't malt, you do any malting, yeast will be able to create some alcohol out of all grains. It's just significantly reduced. So that's something to, to consider. Huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so you've malted this stuff and you dried and it out. Barley. Now we're backing, backing up to where we were when we're talking about Varieties. So we're going to next, next up, are we, what's our time? Uh, close enough. Yeah, we're good. We're going to get right, into um, barley varieties. So there are a couple of major varieties that, that occur. There, there are um, some, some of the early varieties were um, basically, you know, a, a farmer was just crossbreeding with other varieties of barley. It was a, a piece of grass and it had a few little grains on the top and they're really small and they tended to um they tended to shatter when you when you started to harvest it they would like all fly apart which was a problem because you could it would like scatter over the ground and you couldn't like collect it and and gather it as well so they they would farmers would go through and they would find ones that that didn't like fall apart when you when you harvested sure. and they would have found ones with thicker holes and things like that and it, eventually through selective breeding they've they've done a lot to create more efficient um barley production so they can get more yield per acre and then you can get more alcohol yield per ton of grain through all the selective breeding they they really haven't done a whole lot of like genetically modifying it this one you would think they would by mm. now but yeah, I guess that the thing is, is what's what's the point if it's already working? If it's already growing well, then there's no reason. Right. To have I just a lot can't of imagine that it. humans haven't gotten a hold of it and genetically well, modified it like they well, have everything. In the future, else. in the future of barley, we'll get into that. They are doing some of that now for sure. What yeah. about that? Uh, what was that one ship that crashed a long time ago and they found the wreckage and they reproduced the whiskey? Shackleton. The Shackleton. Did they do anything with the barley in that one or is it just reproducing? Because I know there no, was some kind of the DNA whiskey. there. Yeah, they bit, they just it? got the flavor profile, okay. essentially. Mm-hmm. They didn't find the right, the same barley and the same yeast and all that. They didn't go to that extent. Yeah, so, that's correct. So basically what you're telling me is the variety is that back in the day, they just figured out the flavor profiles based off of them. And that says here, varieties like Marius Otter, Golden Promise, and... They gained some reputation basically back then. They kind of figure out which ones are good to combine. Yeah, a lot of those, um, the Golden Promise and Optima and um, uh, Optic, those were essentially bred for um, yield. Those, those really Mass. were yield. They, they weren't as they weren't as much for flavor. There's a little bit of work with flavor, but mostly it's for yield, um, yield of growing and yield of alcohol from that grain. Okay, yeah. Um, there was also a lot of hybridization for disease resistance. There's something called smut <laughs> that, that grows, <laughs> uh, fungus that grows you on. dirty no, barley. That no, grows on. Dirty, uh, dirty barley. barley. Because, he, because he have such a variety of uh, environments, every environment needs to kind of have a different resistance. So for different uh, bacteria smut. and things. So. I could just see those Scottish farmers. <laughs> I saw you drill with your smut. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're reading the smut book again, Archie Barley 101. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> See, and one of the things that that also is grown um, that they've bred for is hull. So around each grain on the the stem, there's a hull that goes around it. And that hull is actually really important um, for a couple of reasons. If you're building, if you're growing it for animal feed, the hull is wasted energy because the hull is indigestible to an animal. So it's not important. But the hull is really important for whiskey production. 
because that hull is what kind of slows down and uh, manages the sprouting during the malting kind, kind process. Kind of like the, an egg layer in a sense, right? As far as can keeping contained so that it has to break out of it. Exactly. That hull is what makes malted barley so easy to produce. It's because that holds it together as, a, as the little roots come out. It doesn't crack open like, like, a, like a corn or a wheat or a, okay. another fruit. So, so it, it starts to germinate and then you can stop it and you can still have a grain that's easy to move and transport and, and ship it and all those kind of things. Open. If you malt corn, it almost turns to mush. And so it does, it's just that then you're moving wet flour. It just doesn't work okay. as well. Okay. So that hole is really beneficial to that. Hmm. Did you have that too? No, I was talking about oh. Okay. So, so that's, that's an important, <laughs> it's an important thing for, um, for that grain. So they've done that now. Have you, I don't know if you've ever had beef barley soup. I, I, I have, have not. I love beef barley soup. It's one of the things I grew up with. And that is essentially the same kind of barley, except they've processed it. You know, they've, they've, um, they haven't ground it, but they've peeled the hull off and they pulled, peeled away some of the internal, the endosperm and all the other parts that are in there. And it essentially creates a, a barley that is more easy it's easier to eat and it's, you put it in soup and it, and it expands just like rice does and it just adds kind of a nutty flavor to a, to oh, a super really? stew so mm-hmm. you can find pearl barley in, in any grocery store as well I've, it's I've not very never common. heard of that it's not pearl very barley? common but yeah, yeah i enjoy it it's okay uh, beef barley yeah. soup is one of my favorites i make it occasionally and you can't grind it you can make like a gruel out of it in fact that's one of the things um in old you know oliver twist uk days you make You'd feed the workhouse people gruel, which is essentially ground barley made into a porridge, essentially a really thin porridge, typically. So there's a lot. Humans can eat it. They do eat it. They more often drink it in either a beer or whiskey, though. <laughs> the <laughs> flavor. I like to drink yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like gruel? Now, so the interesting thing is, we should it. have a little gruel night. Yeah, gruel night in Scotland. Yeah, we've, we've had Mars smut. We've had marzipan. So let's have some gruel. This, this will not be as good. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that, that with all the, the um, advances in uh, barley production, the, um, there hasn't been a lot of work done on the flavor profile of the barley that you produce. Now, I did read an article today from one of the guys from Westland. And he's, they've done a lot of work with different barleys to try and pull the flavor out. And he, he is convinced that there is significant flavor differences between the different strains of barley. But when you're producing 20 million uh, liters of whiskey a year and you're trying, you've got to be consistent with your cuts and you've got to just crank it, you don't really have time to worry about that. You just got, you want to get the same grain every day and you want to run it the same. So craft distilleries and craft breweries do a lot with barley. They, they do different types of roastings and they do all those kind of things that, that you can really pull out of it. But for mass-produced people, um, maybe not as important. It would be interesting to do some work on that. That may be like a whiskey 301 is flavor influence on, on whiskey. Oh because my it's, gosh, it's, that could get super deep. So it could get deep. But what I hear, though, is the changes of the um, the variety of barley over, over time then have not really been... Those changes aren't influenced by flavor, but by yield, probably. Primi- primarily Primary, yield. That's it. Yeah, the Scotch Whiskey Association has certain specific uh, grains that they recommend. There's like 10 different varieties of barley that they recommend. And they've all been produced for certain reasons, and we'll talk about that in a later, a later episode or later portion of the, the show. But 
their primary inference is alcohol content and that kind of thing. So here's a left field question for mm-hmm. you. Um, interesting point, but how much are they really still getting locally versus just buying it now? We do go to that in yeah, a little bit. A, we'll we'll I mean, cover that's that. An eye-opener question. It, it kind uh, of well, is. And we'll cover that in segment five. I, I can tell you from a commercial standpoint, you know, the distiller may want to have like weird heirloom varieties of barley, but if there's not a farmer that can plant it that's in a commercially yeah. viable way and if you can't get seed for it, that's too bad. Yeah. Not only that, but think about the risk on it. So you find a farm that says, yeah, all right, I'll plant that special whacked out barley that you want, and you don't, but I'm going to need the money up front to do it, right? Well, most so, of it's contract grown. It is. So, it is. But then guess what? You know, shitty season. <laughs> Drought. Too what much happens rain. every year? Smut. Yep. You get the smut, smut. smut is I, killing I your barley. Like some of the uh, like farm to bottle distilleries would sure. be able to mess around with that a little bit more. Yeah, they do. But you're talking really small batches. It is small batches, and you're right. They they do they do contract up front saying that all right, um, I farmer X, I want you to grow this this variety of barley. I will pay you this much for your farming um, expenses, and you give me the grain no matter how much green you get. And so the farmer says, all right, you know, that, that way, if it's a bad year, the farmer's guaranteed. Income. Right. He's got a safe bet and the guy gets the grain and whatever. But it's a gamble on the distillery. Oh, absolutely. The gamble is all in the distillery. because they're, they're taking uh, the risk. A right. barley farmer can make thousands of acres of, you know, optic or whatever the common brand is, whatever brewers are using, and they can guarantee their income. So they need the, essentially you're doing you're asking for craft farming too, which is more difficult. Sure. Yeah. Wrote this. Yep. Um, so I guess the point I was kind of going towards too about that is, I mean, realistically, you know, hundreds of years ago, growing crops was a pretty big deal, and and it still is today. But I think about just what we see in a. You know, I wouldn't say we're rural, but you know, things change. Like you, farmers lose. You you mentioned about how time. everything time. everything happens, right? So like you're in you're in Scotland, and that's a major source of your whiskey. Like at some point, that farm that was down the street or whatever may not be there anymore. Turned Something into a happened. mall. Some, exactly, <laughs> it turned into a mall. So there, yeah, there's got to be like some kind of. <sighs> backup plan and that's why I was kind of getting to and I kind of it wasn't these are the things you don't think about when you just consume whiskey off the shelf like oh, that's a great bottle but there's a lot of work that goes into this well, where did the ingredients well we, and we can talk talk through that right now okay. we've got it's one of our segments where we just could roll right into this one so producers of barley in the in the world so there're about 145 million tons of barley produced in 2021 145 of, million tons. Of that, 13% was in Russia. Mm. Wow, I've heard Russia. that. I've heard Russia, Russia yeah, produces so a lot of barley. Your, uh, Eastern Europe is, and some of, some of Western Europe, is your source of barley for the world. Between Russia, France, Germany, Ukraine, Spain, wow. it's really Europe. That's eye-opening, actually. So you, United yeah. Kingdom doesn't even come in until number seventh. Keep going down. So you got Canada is eight, um, Turkey. Turkey has a bunch, yeah, which is right there. That's Jeez. a fertile crescent. Yep. Yeah. Argentina, Poland, Denmark, Iran has two million. The United States doesn't come in until fifteenth. 
So of well, all the beer, we got opportunity. All the bit. beer that's brewed in the U.S. Twenty two point five million versus mm. what? What was the top? 17, 17, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18 million tons. Jeez. That's so quite a lot. Six times as much. <laughs> so there is a reason that um, yeah. the That's crazy. Scotch whiskey pulls a lot of material from Ukraine. They pull a lot of scotch or a lot of their barley from U- because Ukraine. Because think in mind, keep in mind, um, 70% goes to animals, 30% is used for brewing. So... 30%, and I don't know how much of that malt or that barley Scotland uses versus brewing. So you got Probably beer brewing. A very tiny. Yeah. Amount. So that's the thing. You got beer brewing and scotch whiskey. That could be a, a 301 topic on barley as well. Like who uses what and where is it all used? That's another, another layer. But Eastern Europe is a huge source of barley. But again, it grows in Russia. It grows in Turkey. It grows in Argentina. It grows in Denmark. It grows in the United States. It grows in Morocco. I mean, and this is this this list is like fifty countries long. I mean, everybody everybody grows barley. I mean, I guess the question so, is, how much is is that enough? Are we able to con- consume all of that? I mean, that's a that's a lot of well, barley. We, we could break it down a little bit further. We don't might, we don't have that that number here, but you could break it down to say, all right, at least. What's the difference of 145 million tons? We've got the top 15 countries here um, and how much they produce. But I'd be curious to see breaking it down into two row versus six row. That would be interesting. That yeah. is, oh, that's there, a whole is a, yeah. there is a difference. Like um, in, in India, the, the whiskey that they're making now is primarily, is it six row? I don't know. I, that's that's unusual. Indian, but it could, right, if but that's what grows better there, then yeah. Yeah. So question. that um, yep. that Indian whiskey we just North did the um, Indiri. In, Indiri? In, yeah, they, I'm pretty sure that's six row whiskey. Uh, oh, okay. Six row um, barley. Can. So yeah, I mean, the when you consider like tons per acre, it's not that much different between two row and six row generally. Um, six row is more difficult to handle because it's a smaller kernel. Um, it has more indigestibles. It, it, it is. is it? it generally reduces your yield, but that protein adds could add more mouthfeel if you distill it right. It could add more, you know, flavor components if you distill it right. Man, this this but, would be a really you gotta cool. Be, you got to consider that. Like, I, I would love to. I would love to geek out a little bit on this. I know this is probably way crazy, but like, how awesome would it be to do this? To do a four or one on this and have an actual person at the distillery talking about this piece of it and just going or, into or like six some, row, two I want row. some six row whiskey in front of me and some two row whiskey. And I just, I don't know. This is why it's crap. And, you know, it's going in the real world details. Cause a lot of this stuff we're basically, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's good information and it's, it's public knowledge. And it's, I think a lot of it is probably factual, but it's there's still a lot of swag in what we're talking about. Well, and the and thing real is, world is does it make enough of a difference for us to even decipher, right? So when you talk about craft brewing, right, like you go into the craft brewing, you know, the beer, there's a ton of nuance, oh, yeah. right? These guys are getting into real small details that are, that make a big difference in your flavor. Whereas I don't know if this does as much. I, I mean, there's so much barrel influence on whiskey. Correct. You know, that that is why, you know, they say that, what, 40%, 50% of whiskey's flavor is the distillate. But the distillate is broken into the wheat. It's broken into the water. It's broken into the shape of the still. It's broken into the line sure. arm. It's broken into the feints receiver. It's all this kind of things that broke <laughs> right. into it. So how much of that 50 or how much of that 40% 
is, is the barley. Is barley. <laughs> so it, it, it gets very nuanced. Now, that, this would be really interesting. So there may, I know, you know, if we can get the guy from Westland who wrote that article on his flavor in, in his flavor preference of different barleys, that would be a great discussion. I would think that there'd probably be subtle things like flavor notes that you would get out of one strain that you might not get out of another strain. For sure. So if you were making a, a recipe for a specific flavor profile or you had something in mind, I could see that being a thing, but that seems like you're getting awful in the weeds about something. Yeah. And there's a lot of steps in between growing that grain and making the distillate where you could have something like, I made the cut wrong or... You know, we, we didn't malt it quite right this time around or whatever that would affect yeah. that and, and change your end product. Yeah, it, it is a any distiller will tell you that beer breweries know how to make the beer. I mean, because their beer is their final <clears throat> product. So that's the important part in a di- distillery. Their beer is just an intermediate. They're going to distill most of the components out of that. Yeah. Right. So I'm not, it's not part of tonight's discussion, but it does, it, it's definitely directly related. How much do you think the yeast plays a part in? Cause that's what, that's what this whole barley conversation is. It's producing sugar for what? The yeast. The yeast yeah. Right. So exactly. the very next step is the yeast to eat all that sugar up. That's right. correct. And, um, Four Roses Distillery will tell you that their yeast makes a big, big difference. Because they've yep. got, they use different varieties. What, what, is, what does a chemist say? Well, I, oh yes, absolutely it does. Because it, it, each okay. yeast will produce different of those uh, really un, uh, unique flavor com, uh, compounds like all um, oh, the esters and the aldehydes and things like that that are produced from the um, byproducts of the yeast making the, the alcohol. They produce other off compounds that create flavor. Hmm. So absolutely they does. It, it will, Did you say formaldehydes? Aldehydes. Oh, I was going to say, damn, I thought that is what they use in fire. And, and what do they call that? That, that What's that cinnamon whiskey? That, that uh, fireball? Fireball. Oh. If they, everybody says it's formaldehyde. Yeah, so there's no formaldehyde in there. Paint thinner. You got to pay extra for that. All right. So let's see where were we. So we um, obviously took a turn a little bit. Sorry we about did, that. We did. We did. That's okay. That's fine. I, I've got topics I want to cover, but we can move around. Because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk a little bit about barleys in um, scotch versus Irish whiskey. Oh, yeah. And, and as part of that, we're going to get this into the be discussion. Okay. Okay. So... Um, as you know, technically scotch can have any kind of grain in it if you want to make grain whiskey. But if you're talking about like their, their main distillate, you know, uh, single malt whiskey or pot stilled Irish, which are kind of their premium brands, there's a difference in the way they do that. So in scot- in scotch, single malt scotch is all malted barley. That's, that's the right. rule. Right. Yep. Whereas Irish whiskey, their single pot stilled whiskey only has to be 30% malted barley. The rest of it can be unmalted barley. Uh, but it still has to be barley? Yes. Okay. So it has to be barley. I believe that's the rule in um, cut still. Just, yes, just yes. go all malted. Yeah. Well, but no, the thing, there's a reason they don't use malted. And that's, uh-uh. what I, that's what I wanted to look up when I was going through the system. Like, why don't they use malted? In 1800s, the UK put a tax on malted barley course in Ireland. Ah, yes. The damn Sons king. Sons of guns. That son of a bitch. So the Irish were crafty and they said, well, we don't need it all malted because <laughs> there's enough enzymes in 30% that we can make great whiskey. Right. So they said, all right, well, use unmalted barley. And they just threw it it's in. all it, about the money, man. It is. I the mean, tax, they, and, man. And they avoid the tax on 70% of their <laughs> malt, malted barley. It makes total sense. And, and you really don't need to. And the thing is, if you look at 
one of the things that malted malting does is it does change the flavor profile a little bit if you use malted versus unmalted. The malted barley does have a more nutty kind of a, and depending on how you dry it, a smoky or kind of cocoa flavors that can be put into the whiskey. Whereas unmalted is lighter. It's sharp. It's sour fruit, um, kind of green apple and lemon that you more often see in an Irish whiskey. Sure. And so, so it does have an effect on the whiskey produced, but they, I would admit probably in the 1850s, they weren't looking for um, nutty, smoky flavors in their whiskey. They were just... Trying to avoid the tax. Yeah, man, they were right? just trying to avoid the tax, could. man. It still got you drunk, and it still tasted good because you had enough malted in there to, to do the work. So you still got so your good yield. Is, is the tax still in place? That I don't know. Because I, I, I would be, I mean, if it's not, then they're doing it because that's their flavor that's profile. Their profile. That's, right. that's exactly what it is. I mean, yes. you can get. I can't like, imagine it still. You I mean, can get single malt Irish whiskey. So. Uh, you know, yeah. the tax. I don't know if there's a tax on it. I that I did not look into. That's a good three hundred one. But that's what well. started it. Yeah. That's so basically, exactly what back I did. in the 1800s, the, the Irish said, "We know the system's rigged because we use the system." Our alcohol. You got to tax the barley too. <laughs> exactly. Come on, that's brother. exactly right. So it makes sense why they did that. Arthur, yeah, get that. in here. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the oh man, the malted barley, and we did a show on barley. Years ago, long time ago, long back and in the 1800s. One of the things about malting is um, you can, when as part of the malting process, we talked about you soak the, the grain, you let it germinate, and then you got to dry it. it immediately dry it so it doesn't go too far. And there are a couple ways to do that. The main way to do it is blow hot air through the grain. You so you blow dry it. Floor, you blow, essentially, yeah, you blow dry it. Absolutely. Right on, yeah. And in Scotland, traditionally, you used peat to generate the heat because it was a local energy source. And so you would burn the peat, it would put produce heat, and the smoke and everything would fly, flow through the, the barley, uh, the malted barley, and would flavor the whiskey. But nowadays, peat is hard to, is more expensive, and a lot of places just oh, use okay. natural gas sense. or you know something like that to produce I the, thought you were the saying they did it all the time. I'm like, what? what? Oh, yeah, well, back then they'd had to because that was their main fuel that source. That was all they had. Right. Yeah, that, yes. that was why they had it. And, right. And so... It was available, and they, they used it. Now, the thing that's interesting about that, and we talked about it last time, is it's kind of like barbecue. So when you start to dry the dry the um, malt, it only accepts smoke up into a certain moisture percentage. And I, I we talked about that last time. I don't remember what it is. So you can. It's not you, very long. It's not. It's not particularly long. So as it's as you still have that wet hull, it'll absorb the the smoky flavor until it gets to a certain moisture content, and then it just doesn't absorb it anymore. So you might as well switch to natural gas to finish the drying process because you're wasting your your peat. So right now, typically you'll peat for the first so many hours, whatever it takes, and then you convert to another heat energy source. So explain to, to me it. then the 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 amount of peat versus like peat smokiness levels like you're saying that for the most part there's, there's only a certain time limit you can actually the peat can actually influence it yes. but why is it some distilleries have like oh 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 go ahead mark um i would say because they mix they mix the amount of peated malted uh barley and non-peated that's part of it but also you can use a percentage of the heat and their mash. How much smoke? When you're when you're smoking barbecue, you know that you only get pick up smoke up until a certain temperature of the it, meat. Right? It's it's honestly the first like hour or it so. It doesn't take much, yeah. So when you when you barbecue something, and if you think about the whole of that barley being like 
piece brisket. of pork, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brisket, Bark. whatever, right? So you're you're putting that raw piece of meat in. If it's a commercial smoker, like you only need a couple of pieces of wood. That's it. Yeah. It's going to smoke for a couple hours and then it's done and you're on gas heat on a low flame. Yep. So for this, that's what we're talking about. It's the exact same You're smoking process. it for a little bit. And you've got that smoke ring that comes in on a piece of meat, you know. Or the hull of the bar. Let's say an inch or so, whatever. Um, But beyond that, it just looks like normal cooked meat. Mm -hmm. And that's because that outer hull is dry and the smoke can't get in. The the moisture content is what's conveying that inside the meat or or the shell. And once you've dried that out to a certain point, then there's no moisture left to convey the smoke and you're done. Well, here's a question, though. Let's just say, for, for the, the contents of this conversation, it's only going to accept the flavor. It's only going to be imparted for the, an hour, the first hour. Yep. Can I influence the amount that it gets in that hour? In other words, I'm really going to freaking pour it on heavy. Like you said, if it's a commercial smoker, I only need a couple pieces of wood. Well, how, maybe, what happens if I put 10 pieces of wood in it? Well, what, what happens if I put 20? Does you that, can cold smoke. Does that yes. change the? Th- it does. Yeah, and, and it's, it's completely different. And, and that—that's exactly what you do. Is you you can load, uh, reduce the airflow rate, you increase the smoke rate, and you just basically that's soak it. About. That makes you just more sense. Soak it in yeah. smoke, so the water can't barrier be the barrier as much because it's cold and it doesn't dry. It doesn't out dry out. out. Exactly. It doesn't dry so out. the difference soaks, being like soaks, like locks when you go get smoked salmon that's cold okay. smoked. And you've got those like oh, yeah, nice thin pieces yeah. that are like completely dry. That's a cold smoked salmon versus a hot smoked salmon. It it's just cooked, so it's, it's smoky, right. but it breaks up just like a piece of salmon would. It's flaky. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So to my point of the question, you're basically saying the amount of smoky peatiness, in a sense, like you know, let's just go from like a, you know a, a light peaty. To an octomore. Like to an octomore, yeah. right? right? That's a that's basically you're telling me it's probably more close to a, a Kohler smoke in a sense. Is that it, probably possible? What it is? Well, so okay, let's go in a um, craft a craft malting area. Yes, it's probably what they do. But in commercial scale, they they you produce they're cranking hundred ppm malt, and if I want a seventy ppm malt, I mix it with thirty percent. Unpeated. Unpeated malt. That's, that's what exactly I, that's, what you were saying. Right. Which is what you that's said exactly earlier. what you, yeah. they do. Yeah. That's where I was going. You with. can over over smoke. You, can, you can't smoke it in a way that each individual grain will hold more more smoke. Right. But that is not done at a commercial well, volume. And if you think. think about it, like like the salmon example, right? So if you've got cold smoked salmon, you've got locks. That's got a consistent flavor profile throughout the salmon because of the way they cook it. Yep. But we're trying to kill that seed before it germinates too much and the seed starts to eat all the sugar that we want to turn into alcohol. So we don't have a whole lot of time to mess around with that. Yeah, That's I, true. Oh, yeah, so yeah, cold smoke point. has to be a time limit. And, and in yep. a, a malting floor, time is money. Time yep. is money. You, you want to turn right. that stuff right. over. You want to turn it over. So right. yes, you, you hit the smoke at it hard until it gets to a certain point. So, you convert natural gas heat. You dry it all out. Scoop it out, bring the next batch. So, in. Mark's point's probably more valid on a commercial basis. Yes, and then you're right. And because and of the simple fact, if you don't want to leave it on that floor too long, because it'll freaking germinate. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you got to get it dry. You got to get it dry. You want it to germinate and just hit those enzymes up to level. And stop. And stop. Because right. then you convert those, um, those sugars into plant material that you brush off anyway. So, question, mm-hmm. chemist, how, does, uh, how do you know when it's done? Like, how do you know when it's not? 
too far. Like, is uh, maybe physically you can see it, but yeah, I mean, yeah. is there is there do they do? I mean, like, they've got the like barbecue. Down. You put a meat thermometer well, in there, but I mean, how do you how do you gauge? So that? I can tell you when my father worked for he was a grain merchant. So when all these big trucks pull up, it's a sample. Yeah, like they're pulling a sample. Pull they sample put a big out. tube down into that truck. And then it's just that's the average Somebody grabs of that it, looks truck. and knows what they're doing and yep. says, "Oh, it's they weigh done. it. They check the moisture content of the grain that they pulled <laughs> yeah. out. Okay, you know, and they just kind of like it's a quick down and dirty test. And they're like, "Yep, Fair. we're good." And they yeah. dump it and move on to the next one. Yeah, they, they've so. got a formula on the malting floor that this is, you know, and they know this is the water content coming in. This is how much water I need to do. You go through that. You, you go through the process of turning it, and then you check it every so many hours to say, is but it done? And then you Just, you just call to it. set the stage here for everyone's you know mind, your imagination, your, your visioning with the conversation, what's going on in that distillery. In reality, the vast majority of these distilleries are getting that delivered. The, oh, the malt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Getting, That's getting being commercial produced malt. at yep. some commercial malting floor well, company. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. what they do. We, we all have the romanticized version of the distillery, <laughs> we right? We sure do. <laughs> but, I mean, it's kind of like when people come into my restaurant and they're like, oh, my God, it's awesome and everything's... And for me, it's my workplace, right? Right. And the stuff that I do, I'm like, well, I mean... You think it's amazing because you don't do this every day, right? Yeah. But I know all the tricks it's in the machine. back to right. make this work correctly, and this is how it's going to go. And it's, you know, I'm ordering from commercial purveyors. I'm not going out and selecting my cow right. to turn into steaks, right? Like that's. I mean, I mean it'd be cool if you were, but let's be real. Occasionally, a, I do. A real chef. A often. real chef would. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, a real chef doesn't have time. I know they're run, they're running a kitchen and a kitchen's. But a real chef. Makes you believe that that's what oh, they of course did. They so did. it's a, it's almost a, a, you know a good carpenter. That's what a, that's yeah. Where, you know, but we're going. I I would imagine a commercial malting floor is is a lot like a commercial kitchen, or e- even more like an industrial packing plant. Probably is more akin to it. Like they're rolling through stuff, and they've got quotas to hit, and they've got a hundred distilleries that they've got to provide grains right. for, and they're just getting it done. There are some small distilleries that are doing small runs of very craft stuff, of whether it's you know sure. a very specific barley coming from a very specific farm, and they're drying it, malting it in house, doing that and putting out small, and that's awesome, right? That's that's that craft. That's craft, and yeah. that's incredible. You can get some great whiskeys, or you can get some there. You're like, whoo, this is not what How I anticipated. How much can you sell your volume for, though? Well. But the vast majority of them, especially you know your Glenn Livets of the world, they're they're they buying. Don't, they don't compromise. They're putting an order that. in, and they're saying we need this yeah. many tons. I need four million well, tons. Years next of week. business tells them this is what we from, need. From the ordering side, I would imagine it's a catalog just like I look at, uh, right? Yeah. And it's got like, hey man, here's your six or eight different varieties of grains that we've got available at the malting house right now. If you need peated. We're doing it at these one or two levels. Yep. Yep. We can blend it down to a couple of different levels and let us know where you want us to dump it. But Gosh. but to your point, I guess Glenn Livet, et cetera, if you're using that as an example, they that catalog, they they know, hey, I need F four. I just give me your normal my normal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They're, they're, yeah. they're not even guessing they're like this it's on a, it's on an automatic. <coughs> right. Yep. Automatic. They've got those orders in a year out. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean because <laughs> they've got contracts. Right. They're People like, are hey, growing it I need them. you to drop off. You know, 10, 10 rail cars a week for us to keep production right. at, at the level that we need. Yeah, to they they, at. they buy by futures or they buy out. They, yeah, they forecast. They plan out. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Because they can't afford to not have it. Well, I mean, that's like <laughs> any manufacturing plant. We have contracts that we need so much 
chemical supply over the next three years. And we contact with our suppliers that this is this is our demand. We will buy this much from you every year if you can guarantee it for us. And say, like, all right. And and we whether we use it or not, we have to buy it because we made a contract with them. Yep. So same thing. Right. So let me yep. help you on the segue here. So we're talking about the history. What are, what are we looking for in the future here? How how is barley going to play into our future role? Space that, barley. Space barley. Space barley. Space barley. So I, I, I like wish, space jam. You know, nice. we, we, we were talking space about balls. certain. <laughs> there are um, malting companies that yeah, and I, I used I thought I put it the the name of one in here, but I didn't. But anyway, either way, yeah. Um, the Malt Barley Committee of the Maltsters Association of Great Britain is currently working on new malt varieties. So this is what the Scotch Whiskey Association uses. What? They have a, um, Scotch Whiskey has a, a list of 10, 10 different types of barley that they recommend for, for brewing. You're allowed to use others, but these are the ones that's like, we, we know these are great. We know the yields on them. We know the farmers. We know we they're, have farmers. They're tested. They're basically. tested. They're well tested. And so what they're doing is that committee is constantly going through new varieties. There are there there are companies and um, scientists coming up with new strains of barley, and they go through and they're testing them, and they're they're going through and and there's a so the current one that seventy percent of barley produced is Laureate variety because it is it's got a high yield high yield ratio, like four hundred and ten liters per ton. Is, is what their current rough ex- expectation is. But they have a new one that they're coming out that they that they've done some work on that produces an extra five liters of liquor of, of alcohol per ton. That seems like that, a pretty good step up. That's a big really? deal. That, five that's, liters? That's one percent. That's one percent less grain you have to buy. Okay. I mean that's not a joke. Over the course of like think about how much grain when, when lo- you're when you're buying a, when you're buying a million you tons know who a can year? appreciate that? Andrew. <laughs> if Andrew times. were here, he'd be like, I, five no. liters is I, huge. I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, the, question, the question is, does it cost you what, t- uh, 2% more? Yeah, you know, it's, fair, it's, it sounds like anything question. else in the normal world we live I mean, in. It's going it's to cost you more for yeah, uh, yeah. extra <laughs> But then everybody wins, right? The farmer makes a little bit more money per ton. The The distillery gets a little bit more alcohol and out of the ton. grain. Yeah, that we're they're paying buying, them the and money. And we get to pay everybody more. That's exactly. right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, the the other thing that the uh, this committee is going through is um, there's something that is produced in fermentation processes that um, you don't want. So they are going through these strains and verifying that these that they've there's actually a gene that they can work look at that um, there's a. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go through a little bit of scientific terms here. Oh boy, let me get a drink ready. Go Epiheterodendron um, is a is what? a chemical that is produced in the barley. Um, <laughs> The, they will take that, the, the yeast will take that chemical and turn it into ethyl carbamate, which is a potential carcinogen. So Ooh, there, sounds delicious. Th- there are lots of barleys that will produce essentially ethyl carbamate when it's fermented. So any variety that the Scotch Whiskey Association picks does not produce that. That is, that is one of the things. You will not be selected by Scotch Whiskey Association if you, if you produce cancer? if you produce EPH, which is the epiheterodendron. But is it delicious? I think it's <laughs> it's, it's, o- it's only PPM quiet. I mean, that's do me thing. all wrong. It's not that common. It's, it's got to be delicious, though. You know, there's more flavor fair, there. Fair point. It's like bacon, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. We all it's bad it. for you, but damn, it's good. I'll take yeah. another slice. I mean, is it is it? 
is it a big problem or are they just being overly cautious? Well, they, there's some word. This is primarily a U.S. California thing. That's some hogwash, oh, man. man. Some of course. So, of course. Bombs just got dropped. So if I'm making something for Scotch whiskey that's probably going to go to California, if I don't want to put a label on my whiskey that may cause cancer, it can't produce that. Everything so, has a label that it causes. Just don't sell though. your your scotch in California and don't put that crap on the label. Well, see, so <laughs> you're right. It's it's a little bit hokey, but that's that is one of the criteria now. So they just they just go through it. Um, and the thing about the the development of these brand, varieties of, of barley is they produce them at fairly small scales initially. You know, they do like one field or you know a, a backyard and then a, a field and then. It takes a while to scale it up to produce enough quantity to plant a thousand acres. So it takes a while to do that. And as part of that process, they do all this testing, but they really can't produce in enough quantity to ferment and distill at any scale to really understand the flavor components before it gets on the list. So they're really doing it for the mass production side up to like the malting area. Well, and not really necessarily caring about like the end product. Well, through, through, through the yield of alcohol per ton. I mean, so that that's part of it. And they, but they can't, and they can do that at small scale. They can put, do a perfect mash and, and calculate that, but you can't get the flavor components. So, so there may be a, a, a um, grain that gets out on the market that once you get to commercial scale, they say, yeah, it is producing some off flavors. And so while it still may be on the list, it'll kind of fall down. You know, so there's mm. there's 10 or 12 on, on the list now, but one of them is producing 70% of the grain. So essentially so, you're saying this produces a lot of Cheerios, but we can't guarantee you if you can make Honey Nut Cheerios with this. Correct. Okay. Or it may, it may produce skunk flavored Cheerios. All right. Smut. Yeah. But, oh, but you'll geez. get a lot of them. So the flavor, so in that <laughs> development process, Smut. That, yeah, in the in development process, the flavor is less important. It's all about the yield. It's all about disease resistance. And it's all about not producing epihedrodendrin. Well, how, in the how realistic time frame is this? Like how far ahead are we? Is, are they doing it right now? Oh yeah. They're doing constantly. They're constantly evaluating every, I mean, every year. When, when right? I did the Freaking barley now. for the last one, I mean, it's like, 10 years out. Yeah. Like it, it takes, takes a, a long It takes time. several years to produce it, but because they got the genetics and then they've got to do some stability of the genetics and they've got to crossbreed and see if it's, if it wow. actually grows. And, and, and then and they have to actually grow enough to have enough seed so you can plant it at a commercial scale. Yes. Right. That, that's, that's, that's the big seed. thing because right. you, how many, how many, uh, uh, crops do you get a year and you get what? 12, 12 kernels per seed. Well, so, and if everybody's planting, you know, golden promise or whatever you've got to get people to be comfortable with buying this because if they're buying golden promise and it produces the result that they like and it's consistent they, they well, may not want to change yeah, right don't if with, they don't have to yeah, it's a slow conversion i'll bet yep yeah yep wow so barley is kind the, of the, important the, see this is the thing that's so Jeez. weird is a wee bit you don't ever think about barley when you buy your bottle of whiskey but there's a a whole world it's a of whole barley. world that needs to be managed and maintained, and that's just—it's crazy. This little part of whiskey has a whole right. industry. So we we've got we, uh, fascinating, and I definitely want to leave some time for comments or yep. and some questions. We have time so, for questions here. Yeah, we have questions at the top here. They've got some cues in front of them. So, um, dirty sink mark is what was mentioned for you earlier. Do you remember which 
I don't know. So Tom obviously watched the video seven years. <laughs> I ago. remember that. I, don't I do remember. Were, I don't I remember, remember you describing that. And um, I still to this day will have that uh, that note on a dirty particular. Yeah. Do you remember which whiskey that was? Yes. I, mean, I don't remember ago. what whiskey would it. But uh, if I can give you more detail as to what it is, so um, you remember like the. Um, the old porcelain sinks, the kitchen, like your grandmother or great grandmother and I have, they were old, big white porcelain ones. Mm-hmm. There was just a smell that, that my, that my great grandmother, my grandma, that they, I don't know, maybe it just, it was the piping it was old lead pipes or something. I don't <laughs> right, know, it's but it's, it's the, it's the, you just like oh, rotten food in the, in the mm, pipes. Probably. And soap and dirt. Yeah. And like a dirty sponge. Huh? And. Dirty sink. It was That's the lead was. combined with the asbestos <laughs> to insulate it that gave it that unique. Uh, <laughs> right. right, here's one from Tomar. Can Dr. Scotch talk about what's what period of time humans transition from nomadic tribes to <laughs> tribes that started to farm and make settlements? I think the current estimation estimation of that is around nine thousand to six thousand years ago, depending on who you talk to. Now, if you believe in some things that there were, there was. Um, civilizations way before that that then got blown up by asteroids and then came back but current (laughs) the current uh, civilization cycle puts it between six and nine thousand years ago Tom thank you for not uh, asking about (laughs) uh, laden swallows Uh, (laughs) I don't know that Michael uh, Hassler uh, how did you learn to get nosy notes I just drink scotch and I have never tried nosing it Oh, you you should watch last week's episode Mm. You, you nose it no matter what. Yeah. So you got to go find yourself a flavor wheel. Go on the internet and print out a whiskey tasting flavor wheel. Yep. And that will help. Because what you use that as your prompt, this is essentially a prompt. I use this as a prompt. When I'm t- nosing whiskey, it has all the flavors. It's got fruity and floral and cereal and it's pea. It's the best thing ever. And then it's got all the different. So if you're doing fruity, it could be tropical fruit like guava or yeah, guava, a melon, mango, banana. And, and it, it gives you a prompt. It's like, does that smell like a banana to me? No, it smells more like uh, seaweed. Okay, so seaweed, that's going to be in this, you know, so you use it as a prompt and you, and you kind of work through it. That's the best way to do it. And you will start out at the middle of the wheel. Oh, yeah, you like, will. It yeah. smells fruity. That yeah. seems good enough. And not every whiskey has really good nose. Correct. I mean, sometimes we smell it and we're like, mm, there's not really much there. Yeah. Another Here's tip still. is when you really want to get into this and start training your nose, start paying more attention Throughout the day, not just when you're drinking whiskey. When you're eating something, yeah, we all know what a banana smells like. But next time you eat a banana, take another whiff. You know, it's about training your nose and identifying yeah. what you smell. It's, it's muscle memory for your your nose. And and, and sooner or later, those things start getting grained in your head, and you're like, oh yeah, that's toast. And, oh yeah, and, that's an and apple. And let your or, brain go free without trying to. I mean, it's it's easy for some people to do it, but just like uh, boom, and then it comes in cocoa pebbles or something. I don't know. Right? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, your experience, draw on your personal experiences. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, if you if you like bite into a Granny or a Granny Smith and smell it, and then you bite into a Honeycrisp apple and smell they're it, they're different. Very different. They're different, right? and and that's the way that's interesting to to explore that. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, another question from Com. I want you guys to have the actual barley styles in your hands so you can feel, see, smell, and talk to them as a like as you talk to a master distiller. Well, yeah, that would that, that would be, be epic. Cool. I know when we I don't know where we can even get. Well, when we I don't t- know. when we toured Deanston, they had some of the barley they use that you could chew on and, and taste and stuff. I wonder if it would be cool. like would would we even like know like I have a feeling it's just like that's oh, hay, well, that's hay too, that's hay. You know, it's like would uh, we really? I, I bet you would about that. I bet like, you would. You might be surprised. Really? Oh, I do. Between I, barley I and well, the question is, would you be able to tell between barley and wheat? And 
uh, experienced, I would tell you. Both of them are stocked with a grain head on top. They look very similar, but clearly they're different varieties and they don't yeah, right they don't cross pollinate so yeah that's good one idea. more from tom and that's the last one go ahead i wonder how often the reject what is trying to be delivered because the barley is bad or oh, not see. up to their standards yeah like so basically you're saying how much like if they get a to, to going back to sean's point of catalog ordering right and then here's your shipment of barley like and somebody goes the milk's gone bad no I don't want that. Well, I mean, again, my dad was a grain merchant. Yep. So, I mean, when that grain comes in from the field, like they're, the farmers are actually going out in the field and checking the grain before they harvest it. They have their to own make sure that it's it, Well, and they want to make sure that it's hitting the moisture content and stuff before yeah. they do it anyway. A lot of it depends on the weather. If it's time to harvest and they've got a couple days and they've got to get it out, they'll get it's it out. Be, yeah. They do have big commercial dryers, so if it's a little too wet, they can try and dry the grain out. But ideally, you just want it to sit out in the field until it's ready to go. Correct. You right. run the, the harvester through the field. You've got all that grain and it goes straight to somebody like my father who's buying that grain from the farmer and is an intermediary to the people that are end users of that product. And so they're buying it and storing it in large silos where it's, you know, got got some humidity control and large fans to make sure that everything is good. And they're just moving that stuff out to the end user. But if my reading Tom's question, if you're talking about some major commercial malter that's delivering to a distillery yes i would say that the reject rate is probably a lot lower than you think because the quality control at these barley houses these malting houses are probably extremely high and these contracts are written for years out and it's it's a rinse and repeat thing to them i'll guarantee just like what you do at work yeah yeah. so i'm sure every batch of barley has a certificate of analysis that says okay this barley will have this this starch content this protein content this water content that's crazy um <laughs> you know the the right. granules be a certain size and then when it arrives at that distillery they take a sample it. and they're going to measure all that yep to make sure it's right because if yep. it's so if it's out of if the starch content is too low then it's not going to produce the alcohol per and it's time. probably written in the right. contract for that you know Absolutely. if it's off by one you know 0.01% or whatever it means mm-hmm. this much money See yep. a question for you then. Uh, yeah, and obviously, guaranteed. I don't know anything about this type of stuff as far as grains and transportation, but to tag on to that. So I'm going back to your, I'm, I'm envisioning right your whole piece. <laughs> so you you sold it, you match it, it's good. It's in the truck, it's getting transferred to whatever state, whatnot. Is, is there a life cycle? Like, does it, can it go bad? Can it get to the well, point where you're I like, mean, it, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but a lot of it comes down to their moisture. Right. Yeah. So as long as you're as long as you're making sure that you're not getting excess moisture into that grain, it's going to hold for quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's, it's already dry because um, it's a stable product. It's a starch. It's just going to okay. sit there until you're kind of ready to do something with it. Correct. So as long as it's coming in and it's not overly moist and that's what they're checking for. Because yeah. they don't want it to start growing mold or Mold's you know anything huge. like that. Because then you've got you've got serious issues. So. Right. Yep. I know there's a company over by where I work called National Starch, and they get trailer loads of corn in every day, and they convert it to corn starch that they use for like uh, acetaminophen and things like that. And they check all that because they don't want mold going into their nope. corn starch. No, nope. it's a quality control yeah, thing. Exactly. So, yep. So that's barley. That is barley. That's that's nice. barley Soup 201. What, whiskey 201, the evolution and the information of barley. By the way, if you're yep. looking for barley, you 
can't order it on Amazon. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. You sure can. Seriously? There of you course go. you can. I give me so, some golden promise. So I right? want to thank everyone for listening today. Um, I, I enjoyed talking about this. It's a really interesting topic. The beauty of Scotch for Dummies is the four questions, is questions that the dummies come up with, as well as the questions from, from viewers. So thank you very much. Um, Anything else we need to wrap up? Other than, you know, we definitely have more, more um, 101, 201, more 01 content type things. And, and the yep. goal of this series of, of doing the 101s, the 201s, the 301, whatever that may be, is to, is to go back to basics and really try to dive into what makes whiskey, what makes scotch, scotch. What are the, the components? What are the things that you need to know when you're beginning and getting started on this? And a lot of you out there are listening to us, have been following us for a long time. Um, this doesn't hurt as a refresher. I guarantee you're going to learn something because I, I researching every the topics, I, I still time, learn something. I'm like, yep. well, I'll be damned. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we've been at this for eight years. So, smut. Uh, <laughs> smut. <laughs> I'll end on that. Good call. <laughs> uh, awesome uh, show, Dr. Scotch. Appreciate yeah, your time. Dr. Scotch uh, in the house. If you do have a comment and you're watching this on replay, leave it below. We'll try to get to it. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you for, so much for your support. And we'll see you guys next week on another episode of Scotch for Dummies. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Three, two, one. Yeah.